Welcome to For the Love of Brantford, a podcast about the evolving story of our community. This podcast is for everyone who holds a place in their heart for our beautiful city. I'm Nathan Etherington, the Program and Community Coordinator for the Brant Historical Society. I'll be sharing some information from the Brant Historical Society archives and other sources to share some history that you may not have learned in school. And I'm Andy Samwell, president of the Eagle Place Community Association, and I'm passionate about community. And for me, you'll hear about what's happening in our community now. And I'm Zila Ozels from the Brantford Public Library. I'll be speaking with experts to get an idea of where our community is going. If you have any questions or comments that you would like to share with us, fill in our feedback form on the podcast website at brantfordlibrary.ca slash FLB. We hope you join us each episode as we learn from each other and explore Brantford's past, present, and future. Hello, and welcome to episode two of For the Love of Brantford, where we explore the evolving story of our community. In this episode, we will discuss Market Square, now known as One Market. I'll start with the history and the curse of Market Square. Then I'll be sharing memories of Market Square with former mayor and councillor Dave Newman and John Gafusha, vice president of the Eagle Place Community Association. And finally, I speak with Dr. Heidi Northwood from Wilfrid Laurier University about their vision for One Market, which I'm really excited to share because of all the changes we've seen at One Market over the years. It's a really interesting site because it's one of the oldest kind of locations in the city. And it was on the original plan there of the city of Brantford as, as this like public square. And it really is kind of the center of downtown. When you think about like the heart of the community in the downtown core, it is, it is that place at Market and Colburn. So it's kind of like everything was built around it and out from it. Yeah, kind of like it was it was like the center of the community originally. Like if you wanted to know what was going on in town, you would go to the Market Square. I never really thought about it being the center of downtown. What's the center for you for downtown? I would have thought maybe Victoria Park or Harmony Square is the new center. What they seem to act like the new center of downtown is. But I didn't really think about how you were saying about how everything was kind of built out from Market Square. Yeah, yeah. The par- the park was on there too, right? In the original plan. But I think it had like a different purpose. Yeah, I think. And that's, again, why I'm excited about this episode, because there's so many things that have happened in such a small little area. Even what you were saying, Mandy, it's interesting, because Maybe now you think of Harmony Square or Victoria Park as the center and they're still central, but, you know, communities and cities kind of change over the years based on how it's being used. And I think uh, maybe maybe with Laurier um, upgrading one market, we'll see a new change in that area. I randomly was going through a box today at their museum and just so happened to be in the box was a redevelopment plan for downtown of 1979. So something to me says that that was kind of the guiding document about how they were going to attempt to revitalize downtown Frankfurt. And so now it's interesting because there's, they're working on another downtown revitalization plan. Mm -hmm. I guess this is a 
good side of development and like or seeing things right the evolving story of our community like this is about right is you do actually see things changing constantly throughout the downtown it's actually one of the most dynamic places in the city so why don't we get started and hear about the beginnings of market square Many older Brantford residents may remember the original city hall located at Market Square. Just how old is the early history of the site? Well, if we look back to the Brantford Expositor Semi-Centennial that we mentioned earlier, we talked about this early village that was on the site of the city of Brantford when Father Dalian made his first trip down the Grand River in 1625. So this big settlement was here. And when they did archaeology on the south side of Colburn for the YMCA, they identified a rich organic layer several feet thick. And this would indicate a very large settlement for a short period of time or a medium-sized settlement for a long time. So this seems to indicate that people have been living in and around Market Square for a long time. In Water and Beer's History of Brant County, it highlights that the first school in what is now the city of Brantford, was held in a two-story frame building erected on the Market Square, and which also served as the town hall, courtroom, meeting house, and schoolhouse. This was about 1826. In 1849, the town council took into consideration the idea of having a town hall and market erected in the center of the Market Square, and notes that a portion of the land was gifted to the town by the Six Nations. They moved from their first location at Delusian Market Streets, and there was only a small frame shanty on the southeast corner for the fire engine. Okay, but it says Market Square in the name, not town or city hall. Why did they call it a market? Well, outside the building, farmers could pull up their carriage and sell their produce to residents. It was always a free market, meaning you didn't have to pay a fee to have a cart or sell goods at the location. This location was also used for the military and troops that would parade on the square and were uh, even stationed in downtown hotels during the 1866 Benian raids. That all changed in the early 1900s when the city of Brantford decided that they should start charging for stalls in the market. And that's when all the controversy begins with the curse of Market Square. Yes, I've heard of this curse. What brought this whole situation about? Around 1905, it is no longer a free market, but they now charge fees. And one native man refused to pay the vendor's fee and was arrested and thrown in jail where he was mistreated. His sister was a native shaman and placed a curse that would doom any attempts to build on the market square until past native grievances are satisfied. So both vendors and customers were generally unhappy with the market. And they complained about the market fees and a lack of shelter. Some noted sanitary conditions that the meat stalls were kind of not up to par. So this prompted a debate about whether to improve the conditions of the market or remove it altogether to another site. So the Brantford Expositor notes on November 21st, 1905, that, quote, in brief, the plan of the committee to abolish the animal sale of the market and... They appoint a market clerk 
to manage the new system, who was to receive a salary of $500 a year, which was above the working man's wage in Brantford at the time. Okay, so if the plan to improve the market succeeded, then why does it become an issue again in 1909? Well, in that year, Mayor W.B. Wood and Alderman Ham have a bit of a spat over the market that comes out in the local papers. Wood accuses Ham of making false statements and fires back, noting that Ham admits the market cannot be made larger and notes the market square is not worth $150,000. And Alderman Ham wanted to trade it for the old post office building, which is now the Laurier Rest. The following day, Ham publishes his own retort in the expositor that was equally spicy and disputes Mayor Wood's statements about the value of the market square. By May, one merchant writes a letter to the editor complaining about the constant abuse of making the market the dumping ground of bankrupt stock to the detriment of the surrounding merchants. So in 1909, a referendum was folded on moving the market, and that was also defeated. A week later, representatives of Six Nations pointed out that when the town had attempted to put a building on the square, the courts had ruled that the land was, quote, for the sole use of a market square to be used for market purposes only. So what happens after in the 1960s on the site with the demolition of City Hall? Mayor Beckett in 1961 spoke about the revitalization of Market Square to be turned into a commercial development, which would include above and below street parking, a city hall and a department store. On January 21st, 1964, a company purchased Market Square for $450,000 and was approved with a civic referendum. They intended to complete their $2.5 million project by August of 1965. This did not settle the matter as the Six Nations Confederacy considered taking it to the United Nations and City Hall was vacated as of January 1st, 1965. The demolition of the old City Hall began on July 25th, 1965. In 1969, the Central Brantford Urban Renewal Scheme called for 16 separate projects over the next 16 years. Then in December, city officials were shocked when the federal government would only approve 12 of the 107 urban renewal projects. And Brantford was one of the municipalities that got cut. A decade where the only thing that happened was demolition. What happened in the 70s with the curse? Well, in April of 1972, the city of Brantford rescinded a 1920 statutes that rid themselves of the property and allowed the Humber Oak Corporation to propose a $3.2 million market square mall with parking for 180 vehicles. At this point, Alma Green, a medicine woman from Six Nations, renewed the 70-year-old curse that had been on Market Square. She was the last remaining person capable of removing the curse, so many people still consider the curse to be active today. For this episode, I had the opportunity to chat with my good friends Dave Newman and John Gafusha. I'm so excited that you guys could take the time to chat with me today. For the folks listening at home, could you introduce yourselves for me? Dave, how about yourself first? I'm Dave Newman. I'm retired. Elfrida and I moved to Brantford in uh, 1968, and I had already started teaching at PJ in September of 67. 
So a job in teaching brought me to Brantford and uh, been involved in the community ever since. Perfect. Thanks so much. John, how about yourself? Hi, I'm John Gafusia. I had the good fortune to move to Brantford in 1963, and uh, my family ended up uh, settling in Eagle Place. Been here ever since. I very much enjoy this neighborhood. I'm the vice president of the Eagle Place Community Association. We've been recently kind of reminiscing about Market Square, and I was wondering what your memories were of the Market Square Mall when it was Eaton Market Square or any of the history of that. Well, my first memories of that piece of property was when we moved to Brantford, the old city hall had already been torn down. It was a parking lot. But one is interesting aspect of that parking lot was the chip wagon. So with respect to the Eaton Market Square itself, I was at the opening and I remember its early days. It was built under the support of a provincial government program that gave millions of dollars to cities who redeveloped something in the downtown. And that's how that came about. And what was it like to be at the opening? Was it? Well, there were, there were, there were uh, quite a few people and it was viewed with much hope and enthusiasm to some degree. There were some people who always opposed the project, but Eaton's was the anchor store. And what killed them all later was when Eaton's decided to move out. And what about yourself, John? Well, my memories of Market Square are similar to Dave's. By the time we moved to Brantford, I think the city hall was still standing uh, it was torn down shortly after, and I had, the market had already moved, I believe, down onto Greenwich Street. And my memory is just being it being a big parking lot. And when the it was announced that the mall was coming, I think I was one of the people that thought something is better than nothing because the downtown was so bad at that time. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking back, I, I remember the, some of the controversies as far as Market Street closing. This physical structure of the building itself was not appealing, just two big brick walls, although inside it was quite nice. There were some good stores, as uh, as Dave said, with the, with the Eatons being the anchor, it was a good mall for a few years. But I think that given Brantford was growing north in those days and it was at the southern edge of the city, it was not in a position to be a retail, like a, a major retail area for the city. And I think that's one of the reasons for its demise. And also, uh, I still question whether uh, Market Street had to be closed. I think if that building was 20 feet shorter, that Market Street could still be there. So that's basically my memory of the mall. I do remember enjoying, quite enjoying going there for the first few years. But then you can start, once Eaton's left, you can start to see that steady decline. Um, When they closed off Market Street, did you feel like that kind of closed off Eagle Place a bit? Well, I, I think it did because, I mean, obviously there it was my, one of the major entrances to it. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember when the ring road was built. I don't remember the, the honestly the outlay there, but yeah, it did cut off Eagle Place. And not only that, I think um, keeping that Market Street opened might have contributed more to the downtown than we know. Uh, just my thought. I don't know for sure. But yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't appreciate that. No, I, I could uh, share with you that uh, the question of closing Market Street came before council. Mm-hmm. After I had already been elected to council, I was a, an alderman, as they called it back then, for Ward Five, which included Eagle Place, and it was discussed at a public meeting. I remember at the Bellevue School, and there were a lot of people there, 
Mm-hmm. And at that time, I opposed the closing of Market Street. I didn't think it was a good idea. Uh, and my my fellow councillors supported it and thought that the planners had brought in a good recommendation. So there was quite a bit of discussion at that public meeting, but there wasn't any people speaking out in anger and dead against it. They just mm-hmm. wondered about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an example of the importance of folks coming out to those kinds of meetings and sharing their opinion too. And, you know, it's interesting that you were you have that history to be part of that whole thing um, and and knowing that you spoke out against it and didn't want to see that happen. Uh, the contract for the mall mm-hmm. with with Eaton's uh, was happened during my term as mayor and uh, and getting Eaton's in and, and Phil Gillies as MPP getting the province to kick money into it and have the development go ahead downtown. By that time, all of the designing and planning had, was done on the assumption of the closing of Market Street, which had already happened. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I agree with John that it could have been designed with Market Street. Yeah, it would be interesting. Like, I mean, I know we can't go back now and change no. that, obviously, but it would be interesting to know what that would have been like if that was left open, right? I think that probably a lot of people enjoyed the fact that they could walk through there, though, at the time. Yes. I think that's actually a kind of a neat, neat addition to it. So, John, you were saying to me earlier about having some uh, restaurants in Eaton's Market Square that you actually serviced. I, I was a Canada Bread franchisee and I serviced, I believe it's called Ricky Joe's and Burger King. And I think that was it. And I do remember at, at first the food court was so big, but then continually over the years, uh, the, in, the individual places, especially the Burger King, they went from a a very big area. They just whittled it down, whittled it down. So basically it was a, a counter with wise. That's something like you would see at Linden Park Mall now. And uh, it just, uh, there just wasn't the people coming through to support, to support the mall. When the mall started to deteriorate and Eaton's closed, there are offices put on the uh, ground floor in this and in, the, in that area. And I was working for the school board. I worked in that building. There was an adult education center there called CareerLink, and it's still there today. Yes. So, so uh, I helped establish CareerLink when I worked on a project with Mohawk College, and it was a partnership between Mohawk College and the Grand Erie District School Board. And then Mohawk pulled out, and the school board has continued with it. That's very cool to know that you were part of that, and that that's still there and still going strong. And it's one of the one of the things that are still remaining. John, do you have anything else you wanted to add? Well, I just would add, um, I've, I've done some reading on it, and many cities and towns across North America put them all in their downtown to try and save it. And, and, and in many places, it just didn't work. And hopefully, you know, with Lori's expansion, or I hope it, it continues to grow, I mean, at least there's going to be a positive outcome, hopefully, for that building and for the, for the downtown as well. There's change, and hopefully it's, it's going to keep uh, getting better. To learn about the future of One Market, I spoke with Dr. Heidi Northwood from Laurier University's Brantford campus. We spoke about some of the exciting changes that have happened there and what to expect in the coming years. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us what you do? 
Yeah, you bet. My name is Heidi Northwood, and I'm the Senior Executive Officer on the Brantford campus. And that means being project lead for things, uh, for certain projects, but also doing a lot of relationship building and partnership creation between the city, the municipality, um, Indigenous communities, community organizations like United Way and so on. So it's a really exciting job. Yeah, that's who I am. What is Laurier planning for One Market? Uh, well, a whole bunch of things. We've, we're taking an incremental approach because it's such a large facility. It's over 350,000 uh, square feet. So um, just before the pandemic, we started our first phase, and that was some sort of boring um, repairs like roof repairs and HVAC and stuff like that. But more excitingly, um, we opened up student commons uh, and study space in where the uh, formerly the upper floor of Eaton's um, alongside that a lot of stuff with our student uh, affairs division. So our dean of students and student support stuff, a couple of classrooms. In fact, I think they're the best in the whole campus. They're amazing. A seminar room. Wilfrid Laurier International College is up there. Laurier International up on the top floor podcast studio. So a whole bunch of things uh, happened. Then that was 1920. And then of course, the pandemic. And so everyone went home, but we've continued to work on planning. And in fact, we have two new new things opening, just opened. Uh, one of them is a, our Senate and board chamber. It's a beautiful building. And I hope to actually have a lot of community facing events in there too. It was built to be multi, multi-use. And then the other new space that's opening up in the fall is a student games uh, lounge in the lower level. The other thing that's happening, <laughs> starting soon, uh, the main lobby atrium will be refreshed. So we're painting the whole thing. Beautiful, bright, clean white with some accent colors of gray and yellow or slash gold, right? Some neon lights. We're going to paint the outside facade, the uh, Deleuze Market corner. It's just going to look a little bit more 21st century and a little less 1980s, hopefully uh, by the end of winter. My next question, because Laurier Brantford is part of Brantford City, like the city of Brantford. So how is Laurier working with the Brantford community to kind of create spaces for everyone? There's been actually a lot, many years work on the development of One Market, early plans with, with different um, architectural firms and early days. Uh, we hired a consultant to do early, early stage outreach. Um, so that was in the background right from the get-go. But what's happened more recently, uh, we were working with a consultant um, and he did a pretty fantastic both survey as well as then focus groups with the community uh, residents and business owners and students, right? Everybody basically who has a vested interest in downtown to find out what people wanted in the downtown. What are the reasons you come downtown when you do? What are the reasons that you don't want to come downtown if you don't? What do you want to see? And and we also did some concept testing uh, as to like, hey, if we had a street food market, would you want to come? If there was a movie theater, would you want to come if you had, you know, and we got some really great, really great feedback, um, even though we didn't have it as a, a concept, the idea of a cultural hub, how about a mid-sized performance space? We've been talking about it for years. So that's the other thing I wanted to mention. We're also, we have, uh, we put in a proposal with the city uh, back in May, I believe it was end of May. And over the summer, we've been continuing to develop uh, a cultural hub proposal, which could answer the need that has, you know, I'm sure uh, has been uh, identified from the city and the whole area's perspective as, as, a, as a need for Brantford. Our proposal would be then to transform those three movie theaters that are in one market 
Uh, one of them we, we would keep as a, uh, an art house movie theater. And the other two, we would combine into one larger performance space that could serve the needs of community theater music and dance in the community, as well as then, you know, um, partnering with Sanderson, um, that if there was a particular performance that it was didn't require the space, the large space of Sanderson, it would be a, a better fit for something like 250 uh, seats, which is what we would be able to put together. So that's ongoing work in partnership with, with the city, as well as lots and lots of conversations with the local arts groups to find out what their needs are. Lots more work to be done with regard to community engagement and relationship building and partnership building. But um, we really see our work at Laurier is largely about working with anybody who wants to work with us. And even some people who don't want to work with us will convince them they should want to, <laughs> to build um, something amazing, right? So to make downtown Brantford and city of Brantford, county of Brant, a destination for people outside and putting us all on the map as a place you want to go to for arts, culture, education, lectures, history. That's what we're aiming for. Could you maybe sum up in one little soundbite <laughs> phrase or soundbite? Sure. Uh, what is your vision of the downtown area? Absolutely. It is really a vibrant, cool place where people want to be right? A destination for culture, for education, for history, for museums, great experiences, great community, ties to the past, vision for the future, energy and excitement. The big takeaway that I would say even was popping up in Mandy's interview was the whole we want downtown to be a hub, like where people come and enjoy themselves and hang out with each other. And, and it's not actually just city of Brantford residents, but it's the surrounding area and other people who want to come and check out what's happening in Brantford. So that's definitely like the common thread that I saw between the interviews. It seems like this, like I said, it's the heart of the community right? And it, it really kind of is. And it's interesting that the sites change and what's been there has changed, but it's always kind of, there has been something there that has been the, the center and the focal point of the community. And even now that Laurier is in there, right, they still see the value of there being some kind of community ac access and community space within the site, which I don't know, to me, it, it just, it makes it all kind of holistic and whole. Even the parking lot, right? Even when it was parking lot, the staple was the chip wagon. Yeah, I wanted to know if that was a Stan's chip wagon or not. It was. And actually, there was two chip wagons on the market square. And the other one was owned by Annette, who runs the BIA. Her family ran the second one. Uh, what I really liked about Mandy's interview with Dave Newman and John was the um I, I felt like I was getting the behind the scenes of the politics of kind of the decisions that were being made at that time with the mall kind of and then Sanderson yeah I think it was really interesting hearing about how the Sanderson became the Sanderson right that was kind of cool because I didn't know that story either um I I did talk to Ruth Leffler today about the market 
street closure thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, she said that there were people who were not happy about it. And she remembers it because she was cheer, cheering for them. And she said, it, it's absolutely right. It killed Eagle Place. Yeah. Right. It, it Rather than having a place where the community can come together and meet in the center of the community, it just, it cut everything off from each other. Yeah, I've been hearing about that for as long as I can remember about how the parking garage and the closure of Market Street cut off Eagle Place from the downtown. And yeah, that definitely came up when I was talking to Dave and John as well and how they were talking about, I wonder how it would have looked if they would have found a way to build that project, but still had Market Street be open. Okay, funny you mentioned the parkade, Mandy. Uh, I don't go this far in my history section. I only go up to the idea of the mall being built uh, in 1972. The mall doesn't actually open until 1986. The first proposal fails. And by 1977, they have another $20 million proposal that included the closing of Market Street for the construction of the parking garage. This went to the Ontario Municipal Board or the OMB, and they got involved. And then by 1979, they were back in the same place with another failed development. So these things were resurrected by Campo Corporation, and it was highlighted in a Jack Jackowitz article about downtown Brantford in the 1980s uh, on BC. Campo attracted a major tenant and financial backer for the project, which was Eaton's. And Eaton's was adamant that the city closed George Street for their building. And this also required approval from the OMB all within four months. And that's a very arduous process to get all that stuff happen. So the development plans changed again, and it resulted in the closing of Market Street for a pedestrian walkway to connect from the parking garage over the old canal to the mall downtown. And this resulted in the demolition of the Victoria Street Bridge. And the parking garage opened on June 27th, 1986, beating the opening of the mall on August 19th, uh, 1986. I guess you can't have a mall without a parking garage, or is it a parking garage without a mall? <laughs> you know, I think it's the, it's the number one complaint that I always hear from people about there not, not being any parking in downtown Brantford. And there's parking everywhere downtown Brantford. You just have to walk to your destination in order yeah, to get there. I'm curious, and I don't even know who would be, be able to ask, but when I was speaking to Dr. Northwood, she talked about some community studies that they had done where they actually did focus groups and surveys with the community and their students um, just to get a full understanding of what to actually bring into one market. I'm curious if that was standard practice, you know, in the seventies and eighties, or if they just went ahead and did it like, yeah, where that feedback came from, or maybe didn't come from. I find it interesting that all of that happened to bring Eaton's. And then when Eaton's closed, that was the start, the start of the crumble of the mall itself. I was just going to say, as was it Dave Newman, I think he pointed out that a lot of cities did that to their downtown and they brought these malls in. And I mean, I'm from Hamilton. We have Jackson Square Mall. It's not successful. (laughs) Not right now. Like, I think it's getting better. But similar problems. We're seeing these huge department stores that are closing up and no one else has the money to rent that space. Yeah, commercial space is getting kind of very difficult to market right now. 
with the pandemic, it's it's not as necessary as it once was. I actually I quite enjoyed going to that mall when I was younger. I uh, I liked shopping at um, Crazy Lee's as well as um, Unique World. And actually, in preparation for looking into some of this for the podcast, my husband and I were looking on, we looked up Eaton Market Square online, and there's actually a video of it on there where somebody actually shows you all around the mall, which made re- made me remember Crazy Lee's because I had forgotten about it. But it made him um, reminisce about the fact that he got his pet turtles Penny and Denny at the pet store that I didn't remember was in that mall. He kind of remembered about that and having those turtles as he was growing up and and all of that. So that was kind of neat too to kind of look back at that and chat about that. I, I don't have that much of a connection with the building other than I have one memory from when we were very young. My parents took us downtown to see Santa. And so we went there to see to see Santa and there was the escalator and we ran up the escalator the wrong way and we got in trouble by the security guard. <laughs> you in trouble? I can't imagine. <laughs> I, it's, it's unfathomable. I think the only memory that I have is a pretty vague memory because I was really young. My cousins live in the Brant County area. So we went together to the mall the one time to go see a movie. I just have this one shot in my head of that walking to the movie (laughs) and that's it. (laughs) Do you remember what movie it was? No, no. (laughs) My parents had a thing about movie theaters. I can't remember what it was, but we weren't allowed to go and see movies. So my first movie actually that I saw was at the movie theater there. And uh, it was for my friend's birthday party. I can't remember how old we were, but I want to say it was White Fang. We were watching White Fang. I'm just really uh, interested to see what Laurie is going to do with it in the future. I'm just interested to see how it's all going to come together. Yeah, I'm like after speaking to Dr. Northwood, I'm very excited to see what's going to come because in the short clip in this episode, that was just a small piece of what she told me. So in the bonus episode that will be coming out after this episode is our full interview with her. uh, And she goes into so much detail about some of the things that they're thinking about uh, some of the things that are already kind of in the works. Um, So it seems like it'll be a cool place to just hang out and chill for the day. I think it's yeah. kind of neat to already see like the students coming into that the building and trying to, you know, find where they're going mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, Cause we're still in there for the vaccine clinics. And so we're seeing the students come. I think the reason why I'm most interested in seeing what happens with the space is the way that she was talking is you're not going to know that it was ever a mall. And if you do architecture really good and really well, People would never know. Students would never know that it was a mall. So I think, and I think Lori is gonna gonna do a very, very good building. That's a very good point. If you think about it, we don't even, we can't, a lot of us can't even imagine what it was like before the mall was there and before the city was there. I mean, it's all part of the journey, I guess. That's it for our second episode of For the Love of Brantford. Thank you to our guests, Dave Newman and John Gafusha, for reminiscing with me about Market Square. 
And thank you to Dr. Heidi Northwood for sharing the future plans of One Market. If you are looking for any of the materials mentioned or want to check out our bonus episodes, you can find them on the library website at brantfordlibrary.ca slash FLB. And don't forget to tune in for our next episode about development in Brantford. We would love to hear from you. If you have a question, just fill out a form on our website. This podcast is a partnership with the Eagle Place Community Association, the Brant Historical Society, and the Brantford Public Library. Your hosts are Mandy Samwell, Nathan Etherington, and Zila Ozols. For more information about the podcast, visit brantfordlibrary.ca slash FLB.